the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Together for Good, brought to you by Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio. Together for Good exists to recognize and uplift the many people working together for the good of San Antonio and the surrounding communities. Now here's the host of Together for Good, Cody Knowlton. Well, greetings and hello and welcome back to Together for Good. We are so grateful you all have joined us on this wonderful program. Uh, This show is being brought to you by the Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio as a part of our mission to honor our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and our Baptist heritage by encouraging and funding health-related programs at area nonprofits and churches. Through Together for Good, we connect our audience to the great work these organizations do in our community. Well, I'd like to start today's show with a quote from Christian theologian C.S. Lewis. Lewis wrote the following about the death of his mother while Lewis was still a child. With my mother's death, all settled happiness, all that was tranquil and reliable, disappeared from my life. There was to be much fun, many pleasures, many stabs of joy, but no more of the old security. Well, children who suffer loss during their childhood are forever altered by that loss. While no child is the same, many bereaved children experience a high level of negative outcomes as they age, struggling with their mental health and resilience. Self-imposed isolation and lack of professional care can often allow that pain to continue and to grow and to prevent healing. So today, we are excited to have a really good friend, Marion Sokol, here in the studio with us. Marion holds a special place in our community as someone who is willing to walk alongside folks who are dealing with the death of a loved one and are going through some very dark days. She's been the Chief Executive Officer of Children's Bereavement Center of South Texas for more than a decade. She has an extensive career working with children and families in crisis and challenging situations. This includes serving as the founding executive director of Any Baby Can and president of the National SIDS Alliance. So, Marion, we are grateful you are here today. We are honored you are here today, given your experience and background. And you've you've just been through so much through Children's Bereavement and through other organizations. We're just grateful for all you've done. Thank you, Cody. I am honored to do this work. In fact, it's not work to me. It's, It's really my mission. That's right. Our it's your, mission. It's your calling. Thank you. Yeah. Well, let's just start off some discussion here. Do children process grief differently than adults? Children do process grief differently, Cody. And in fact, children of different ages process it differently. When you speak of children under the age of seven, they don't even have the concept that death is not reversible. They have, I guess, magical thinking, as we call it, that it's just a temporary thing, that a parent will come back. As they get older, even during the elementary years, they begin to understand a little bit of the permanency. But no matter what the age, there are usually changes within the child. 
there's so many emotions. For little ones, you may see that manifested in regression. A child who might be, you know, just toilet trained, fine, compliant, suddenly starts throwing temper tantrums, you know, wetting pants, bedwetting, just a lot of physical anxiety, and also stress when they're away from the surviving parent or grandma or grandpa, whoever mm-hmm. their caregivers is. Because for them, the reality of their life is different. It's changed. Every day is different. For the older child, you'll frequently see it manifested in behavioral outbursts. Sometimes it's kept internally and turns into just guilt and even anxiety. Did they do something because they didn't behave well to cause the death? Uh, And sometimes it's just anger. I had a grandpa come in recently and just touched my heart. Um, The little boy was doing very well in terms of academically until about three weeks after the death of grandma. And then he literally was under his seat at the school. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to participate, didn't want to do anything. And to many children, even as they're a little older, I remember sitting on the bench with a 12-year-old who said, it really doesn't matter anymore. Why does geometry or math matter if my mom is dead? Mm -hmm. So those are tough conversations, really, throughout the age span. As they get older, it changes their life course because in many cases, it's the emotional impact, which can be physical and manifestation, but also the economic impact on so many of our families. That person who died was critical to be able to bring home a paycheck to stay in that house. So the children are dealing with all of these different things, and they go in and out of grief a lot. Mm-hmm. I often say the language of children is play. And that's why, as we work with younger grieving children, play therapy is so important. Even as we work with young adults, they do art, they do glass art, they do paintings because they're able to express the feelings that they just can't find the words to convey. Yeah. Yeah. Marion, talk a little bit about uh, the Children's Bereavement Center. I mean, just a brief, brief history, and then just give us an idea of the services uh, that you all offer. Absolutely. Uh, there are now about 160 to 180 grief centers across the country, and we're one of the largest. We're also a center that provides individual counseling with therapists, whereas many have just support groups. That doesn't make us better or worse, but it gives us a broader array of options for families. The center was founded 26 years ago in San Antonio by Dr. Martha Adkins and a dedicated group of volunteers who wanted to offer hope to grieving children. And so our mission is really to foster healing within the child, the family, and the community. And we do think those three are interconnected. Certainly in Uvalde, you see a whole community impacted. And we've been in Sutherland Springs and seen the same. And then the family, in terms of the child many times, will only do as well as the family around them. If mom and dad are depressed in grief and this child comes home and the house's you know, draperies are closed and it's dark, it's hard for the children to heal without the family. Mm. 
So our center grew. Um, initially, it was rather small, and it started just within churches as support groups. And then they were able to purchase a house in the Monta Vista area. They outgrew that and moved to our current location, 205 West almost, where we have now expanded, and we're actually on two properties. So most people wonder, well, what's it like to go to a grief center? Is this some dark place where a child has to cry? And then they walk in the door, and there are pet therapy dogs, and dinner's cooking, and it's, it smells great. And there are children all over on the playground, and 16,000 square foot of art rooms and music rooms. And suddenly it becomes a place of hope versus a place that is sad and commands, you know, a child to be feeling badly. Tell us who receives your services. We have a wide array, again, from ages 3 through 23. We work primarily with the children, but if the parent is seriously grieving, we will work with the parent as well. The children who come to us have experienced the death of a parent, a sibling, and sometimes a close friend. Uh, We've certainly had many children who lost a childhood friend in school to an accident or a suicide, and they come because they miss their friend. It can be the loss of an uncle who is special or grandma and grandpa. So we have really four different groupings in terms of types of loss. We have children who experience loss by chronic illness. Then we have services for children who experience sudden death. Usually this is a stroke, a heart attack, an accident. Post-COVID, we've seen a lot of sudden death from long COVID implications. And then we have death by suicide, which again is very different. And these children, many times it's overdose, sometimes it's gunshot. Many times the child has been there when the body is found. And that's complicated. And, and I'll talk a little bit maybe as we speak further about trauma. Because for some of these children, they have the grief, which is missing the person they love, but they also have the trauma oh. of the sirens, the, the finding someone who's bleeding, just a lot of things that they're sleeping at night not able to get out of their mind, where they really are physically affected by this experience. So, and just as, I guess, impactful was the suicide, are those children who come to us who have experienced a homicide. And those are very difficult, too, because there's so much anger. (laughs) And in fact, even if the death is normal, frequently you'll see that the child will go in and out of these periods where they're just angry because it doesn't feel like life is fair. (laughs) We have an exercise that we do, or a, a work group experience, I guess you can call it, where the children take colors, paint, and they put it in one of those old-fashioned spinners, and we ask them, what does your grief look like if you had to look at colors? And sometimes we do it with the whole family, and someone will say, well, I'm just depressed. I just feel blue or black all the time. And another one will say, well, I'm angry. And a little girl might say, well, I'm jealous or envious because everybody else has a mom but me. Mm. So lots of feelings. Mm. Marion, what things do you think uh, it's important for children to hear during times of loss? I think it's important for them to know that they're going to be okay 
and that their parents and the people that they love around them are going to be with them, and also that they are going to be all right. Mm -hmm. So many children, if one parent dies of an illness, become very frightened that something's going to happen to the second parent. So reassuring them that this happened and we're sad is important. I think equally important, and we try to develop this at our center, is that you may lose the physical person, but you still have the love and the memory. And for many of our children, they believe that mommy or daddy are in heaven and that they're their guardian angel, and that's that's good. And I think the third thing, and one of our students who, I call her a student, honestly, she came to us at the age of three. Mommy died very early of cancer, went through school, is now a young attorney, And I think one of the things that she said that I will always remember is, you taught me at the center that I could be sad that I don't have a mother, but I could still be happy in life. Yeah. And that's important, to be able to smile. That's right. You you help them move forward, Mm -hmm. you know, as best they can. Yeah. And I know someone came to our center once, and they they looked at the children, and they happened to come at a time where we had one of our on-site camps. And we call them heroes. So we were making hero capes. And they said, well, where are the children? I said, well, they're out in the yard in the garden area. And we peeked out the window, and here are all these children just running like Superman (laughs) around. And he said, are those graving children? And I said, they are. And that's exactly what we want to see. If children need to cry, we let them cry. But we also want them to know it's okay to smile. Mm Listeners, if you're just now joining us, uh, this is Together for Good. And as a reminder, this show is being brought to you by the Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio. I'm your host, Cody Knowlton. And today uh, we're joined by Marion Sokol. She is the CEO of Children's Bereavement of South Texas. And Marion's been answering a number of wonderful questions about the grieving process that children go through when they experience loss. And so the Bereavement Center does such a good job of supporting and guiding folks and children through the uh, healing process. Uh, Marion, so you, you mentioned it just briefly. How does a camp setting, I know y'all do camps out in the Hill Country, your Camp Heroes camp uh, specifically, how does that create a different environment for healing than a traditional one-on-one therapy session that you would have mm-hmm. on Almost Drive? Right. I love our camps, Cody, and now they've grown to four. We have two of them on-site, spring break and Thanksgiving break for the little ones, and then in the Hill Country dur- during the summer. Uh, The youth there have such a a wonderful opportunity not only to think about their grief, to express it with the art activities or healing circles, as we call them, but also to hear from other children, to know they're not alone. And it's a time that they can bond. They put pictures out of their table. It almost looks like an altar. We have a a Mexican blanket hanging over it. And, And they're able to talk openly without guilt to other children who understand that. Sometimes, especially for the older children in our youth camp, is usually 10 to 17, basically. It's hard to go to school and talk about the death of a parent. Mm. And they don't want to talk about it, and their peers don't want to really hear it. But here it's different. It's a place where it's a badge of honor. 
and we try to create that environment. The other thing I love about our camps is that so many times when a parent dies, it's economically exhausting to just sustain the lifestyle you had before. So many of the parents work long hours, and they'd never get to our center. So here we can take the children for three or four days. Mom or dad can have a break, and we can work with them. And although we're doing healing, many times we're doing also challenging things where they have to do teamwork, like, you know, rope climbing or walking across, a, you know, a high wire or canoeing together. So it's a fun way to have children experience, this is grief, there are other children there. I don't want to say normalize it, because I don't ever like to think that it's normal to lose a parent But really, they begin to understand that they're part of this club, whether they want it to be or not. And statistically, one in every eight children will lose a parent or sibling by the age of 25. And one out of 12 will lose one by the time they're 18. Mm. And there are two grieving children in every classroom, believe Mm. it or not, statistically. So there are a lot of children there. Marion, I know y'all have done such wonderful, needed work in the Sutherland Springs area and Mm. now, uh, sadly, in Uvalde. And so tell us about your work in Uvalde. I know you're down there regularly, and Mm. uh, it's been a heavy situation. So talk to us about your work there. Well, first, you know, we feel honored and blessed to be there and I'm, I'm really proud of our board of directors and they met the evening of the shooting and basically said go and then we'll figure out how to pay for it later mm-hmm. and we knew we were going to be there for the long term so we also understood that with the shock and trauma people were frightened many people didn't want to go out they didn't even know they needed counseling And if they did feel confused, they didn't want to go to a stranger. So we started by opening up a place. It was a leased space, but very comfortable, like almost like a living and dining room area that we called our Center for Comfort and Consults with Child Grief Specialists. And the community began to come. We then also started to do, every second Saturday, we had the Children's Museum from San Antonio to come out and do Smart and Art Saturdays. And the family started to come. And as they began to trust us, they began to talk about their children. So after about six months of being there with many other agencies, we are certainly not the only one, we have built a permanent center, really honored. Uh, it is adjacent to St. Philip's Episcopal Church. The Episcopal Diocese has given us the ability to stay there for years. But I have to tell you, when I first saw the building, I just, I said, there's no way. Because it looked like an auto garage, and it was. It was built as an auto garage. But because of so many carrying San Antonio architects, engineers, construction people, they have made this into a beautiful center. So we finally officially opened in June, and we have a wonderful center with a patio on the back that's for art and has sinks for painting and all. Inside is beautiful counseling rooms. We're right adjacent to the church and using their kitchen. So we have a wonderful place. The families there, um, they are coming, and the children, uh, we had camp now for two years there. They really love to be at the center, but for many, it's still different than it was before. High anxiety, if ambulances go down the street or an you know, immigration chase where there's a siren, they will freeze. 
and it's hard to talk about the loved ones that they lost and again why they lost them it seems unfair so many questions I have huge respect though for the community the churches the schools there are many people in that community who are working to help the children every day and then going home and dealing with the grief of their own family because many cousins aunts uncles Many people have been in that community for years. There's there's hardly anyone who hasn't been touched by this senseless tragedy. Yeah. But the community is really beautiful. It is. And the murals to the children are one of my favorite things. I just, I couldn't imagine, but they're so lifelike. It is just almost a journey of healing to go and see each child and see them portrayed with the things they love. Mm. So there are many things the community has done right, but you can't take away that hurt. Well, on behalf of the city of Uvalde and our whole entire country, just thank you, you know, for for what you're doing, for what others are doing. And uh, it it takes a village to bring a child and bring a family Mm -hmm. through grief. And uh, y'all are so much a part of that. Well, we're there with many others, communities and schools, Ecumenical Center, Family Service Association. Um, there are many people, and, and that's one of the things that I think has worked very well out there, that I think all the agencies came and said, this is not about us. Mm. It's about how we can help them, yeah. the community. Yeah. Marion, how can someone reach out for services? They just need to call our number, and probably one of the important things that I haven't mentioned is that all of our services are at no cost to families. I hope we can sustain that. We've been doing it for 26 years. We keep getting bigger and bigger. In fact, the number of grieving children across the country has doubled since pre-COVID days. But just call our central uh, center, 210-736-4847. Okay. And we have people at the desk. Yolanda and Bridget will pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. And then the process is usually that if you say, I have a child who's lost a mom or a dad or someone they loved, you'll be referred or called back at least by an intake worker shortly, as soon as we can get off the phones, because our phone lines ring all day. And then they'll do the initial demographics. Uh, while there is no cost, there's one other important thing, though, to remember. The person who comes to give the information or on the phone provides the information about the child has to be the legal guardian hmm. because we want to protect the privacy of the family. Right. And then after that, the intake counselor will set up an appointment. They'll come to the center, see what we do, and we'll decide, is this a child who would fit best in support groups? Is this a child who needs individual counseling because there's a lot of trauma? Is this a child that maybe we can provide our school-based services because we have eight counselors full-time now out in schools? Or is this a child that should go to camp because mom just can't take on one more thing, Mm -hmm. bringing them to the center? Marion, we're just about out of time, so tell us how the community can support you. What do you need from us? We love people who will help feed our children, literally. Uh, every night we have group, and which is Monday to Thursday, and also on Sundays, we provide a meal. It doesn't have to be fancy. Usually several adults go together. We've had rotary clubs. We've had church groups. We've had neighbors come together, and they'll put together casseroles of, you know, 
tacos or they'll pay for pizza and they'll provide dinner for the children. That way dad doesn't have to rush through a fast food drive-in on the way home and mother doesn't have to stress when she gets the children from school. Um, that's really important. We call those potluck partners. And they're on our website. There's a tab that says ways to help. Mm-hmm. Around Christmas time, we offer something called holiday shop, where the children shop, but not for themselves, for the people that they're living with. So donations of things that can be given to grandma or grandpa or mom, because grieving families, it's, it's hard to feel the Christmas spirit and shop. And car wash uh, sets for dads, things like that. Certainly monitoring donations we really appreciate but also donations of art boards canvases for art and paint and crayons and teddy bears we have a lot of teddy bears but every child gets a teddy bear Mm -hmm. so we're always in need of teddy bears and then if you have a background that is working with children or an affinity for working with children, we do have opportunities for training to be a facilitator, which is a two-day training, and that allows you to work with the children in the small groups in the evening. Mm-hmm. When they come in, the parents meet and talk and have their own support group downstairs. The children go upstairs with our counselors, but we also, with that many children, we need lots of eyes and, and lots of one-on-one. Well, that's awesome. That's thank awesome. You. We will make sure to tell everybody we know uh, that well, you guys thank uh, you. are doing great work. And uh, thank you for all that you're doing. And we're grateful mm-hmm. for you as a friend and as a colleague. And, well, and thank you to Baptist Health Foundation. You have helped fund us, but support us and refer to us because we do want to see those children when they start having problems, not later down the road when they're either as a teen not wanting to stay in school or as a little one not wanting to go to school. Mm, that's right. Mary, let me pray for you before thank we you. depart today and that. we will close then. Lord, we love you and thank you for the day. Thank you for Children's Bereavement Center, for its work, for its mission, for the lives it's impacting during times of grief. And so we pray for Mary and her staff for leadership and this fine organization and the the kids that come through the door needing healing. We just lift them up. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Marion, thank you for coming in today and so grateful for Children's Bereavement Center and for all you guys do. And listeners, we're grateful for y'all for joining us today. We're always encouraged to have you with us, so we hope you're encouraged as well. Uh, you can catch our episodes anywhere you get your podcast by visiting Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio's website, bhfsa.org forward slash together for good. We'll be back next week for another great conversation. Have a blessed time. Thank you for tuning in today for Together for Good. We hope you've been encouraged, uplifted, and inspired. Until our next time together, may the Lord bless and keep you. And in all things, to God be the glory. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.